BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. On this election day, we begin in Sutter County, where a judge has handed a victory to two Republican state lawmakers who filed an abuse of power lawsuit against Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. The tentative ruling strikes down an executive order the governor issued in June, setting up new requirements for today's election. GOP Assemblyman James Gallagher of Yuba City joins me now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Lily. Good to be with you. Good to have you here. So I want to begin actually by clarifying something that confused me when I first saw this ruling. The executive order from Governor Newsom that you challenged included a mandate for mail-in voting because of the pandemic. Explain this for us. That was not the premise of your challenge, correct? Right. We were not attacking mail ballots. Um, You know, there was actually two orders that the governor issued The first one established that there was going to be an all-mail ballot election for the November election. And the second one sort of reaffirmed that, but what it really did was change a lot of election procedures. And so we focused on the second order. But just as a policy matter, I want to clarify, you are not opposed to mail-in ballots, correct? No. And in fact, uh, Assemblyman Kylie and myself uh, supported the legislation, you know, the proper form of, of doing these changes. Uh, which provided for an all-mail ballot election for the November 3rd uh, general election. So why did you and Assemblyman Kylie challenge the governor here? This is the key issue is, you know, the governor did this by edict uh, overnight. He changed several provisions of the elections code uh, without the legislature at all. That was our biggest concern is that changes to our law have to go through the legislature. Um, If you're making new law or you're amending state statutes, that's something that has to go through the legislature. And for good reason, because that's where there can be deliberation. That's where there can be public input, hearings. You know, when one man gets to decide that, uh, we have sort of ceased to be a representative democracy. And that shouldn't change just because we're in an emergency. So that was the focus of our lawsuit is that his, his executive order was unconstitutional. Well, a spokesperson for the governor has weighed in. They say they disagree with specific limitations that this ruling places on his emergency authority, and they are evaluating next steps. How about you? What's next from your perspective here? Well, you know, this is one of the problems is that the governor throughout this lawsuit and apparently still is maintaining that he has broad powers. And essentially, he argued in court that all power of the state is now vested in him alone. Those are the arguments that he is making. And I think that should be very concerning. Just because we're in an emergency doesn't mean we throw our whole representative democracy out the window. 
we still have three branches of government and each is doing its part to respond to this crisis. Um, and so for us, I mean, we're going to continue to to fight for just that. All right. Assemblyman James Gallagher, thank you so much for taking the time. All right. Thank you. Well, this is quite simply an election day like no other. Californians have already voted in record numbers. There's excitement, but there's also tension in cities and towns around the state, with businesses boarding up their windows and local law enforcement agencies saying they're taking extra precautions to keep the peace in case of protests or worse. From KCRW in Los Angeles, Kaylee Wells has more. In Santa Monica, the police chief says there will be increased uniform presence and the beach parking lots will close at sunset. LAPD Chief Michael Moore says his department will be fully staffed during the election period with officers alternating shifts to ensure a full presence. In Beverly Hills, where weekly pro-Trump rallies have taken place, police are asking businesses to, quote, harden the target and Rodeo Drive is boarded up until Thursday. Lieutenant Max Subin with the Beverly Hills Police Department says his is the most prepared city in L.A. County when it comes to preventing looters. We'll see a lot more police officers. Uh, you'll see uh, private armed security, as you will, as well as you'll see a SWAT team from Santa Paula uh, driving around and protecting a lot of parts of the community. When he commented on L.A.'s preparations recently, Mayor Eric Garcetti said he didn't want to stoke unfounded fears of election chaos. He said, quote, we prepare for the worst, but we are hoping and expect generally the best. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Here in Northern California, Oakland has seen its share of protests and in some cases protest-related violence in recent years. Mayor Libby Schaaf says the city's emergency operations center will be up and running today to ensure that we all have an ability to coordinate and collaborate, including with highway patrol or AC transit, public works and our transportation professionals. So it really is just trying to give a comprehensive look to how we make sure the city is taken care of. Mayor Schaff says the city wants to protect peaceful free expression or protest, but will not tolerate violence or vandalism. The State Office of Emergency Services is also prepared for election night and beyond in case there are any civil disturbances. In other news, victims of wildfires caused by PG&E could start getting money from a multi-billion dollar trust fund set up in the utility's recent exit from bankruptcy protection. The fund's trustee plans to disperse partial payments of up to $25,000 to those who need it most. Retired Justice John Trotter tells the California Report it's a response to the extra hardship fire victims are facing from the COVID-19 pandemic and our state's latest round of fires. Uh, I thought we should immediately begin to make some humanitarian payments so that these people would get some relief. Trotter says he expects to start sending out the preliminary funds around Thanksgiving. The state's Employment Development Department is set to have a new leader come January. Current Director Sharon Hilliard announced late last week that she would retire at the end of this year. And lawmakers are thinking about what comes next for the agency. Assemblymember David Chu of San Francisco has been one of the department's most persistent critics. I think all of us in the legislature are hoping that a change in top leadership will lead to a much more dynamic and responsive agency. This is a department that has failed Californians in so many different ways during this recession. Uh, and uh, the department has really shown a resistance to reform. 
Chu says the next leader of EDD needs to spearhead a culture shift and broaden access to Californians who EDD isn't supporting enough, according to a recent audit. These include ESL speakers, people with disabilities, and those without regular access to computers. My guess is you add up those populations, that's over half of our state has been effectively shut out of our system, and, uh, and that's well documented in the report that just came out. So uh, we need someone who really will take to heart the need of building a system that works for everyone. Chu says he hopes those searching for Hilliard's replacement will cast a wide net. In Southern California, struggles with distance learning are leading to more D and F grades among LA Unified middle and high school students. But Superintendent Austin Butner says campuses won't be able to reopen for a while. KPCC's Carla Javier has the details. So how do you help those students who are struggling with grades and attendance during distance learning? Here's what Butner told me. Find a path to reduce COVID so schools can reopen. Now, that's the answer. It's not expecting a miracle to happen. Here's the thing, though. As the superintendent explained in his weekly update, general school reopenings won't happen until January at the earliest. Under state guidelines and given the current level of the virus, there's simply not enough time left in the calendar for the Los Angeles area to meet the state guidelines before the holidays. For now, the district will expand its one-on-one -on -one tutoring, assessments, and support for students with special needs to serve up to three students at a time. It'll be up to administrators and teachers to determine which students will be offered a spot for these limited in-person services. For the California Report, I'm Carla Javier in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. So since it is finally Election Day, we figured we'd squeeze in one last word from the California Voter Foundation on last-minute voting advice. Remember that if you haven't registered, you can still vote today. And there's a lot more, too. Kim Alexander is the founder and president of the foundation. She's here with me. And Kim, what is your top priority for California voters on this Election Day? I want them to make sure they get their vote-by-mail ballots in on time to be counted. And that means not putting them in a mailbox, but taking them in person to a voting site or a Dropbox. And obviously, there's been a lot of concern this year, this last couple of months, especially over irregularities at the U.S. Postal Service. Is that advice, it is the same advice you would have given in years past, or is it really because of that controversy? It's because of the trend of vote-by-mail ballots not getting counted in California as we see more and more people casting vote-by-mail ballots. We see also a stubborn percentage of ballots that go uncounted and get rejected. And with or without the problems with the Postal Service, 
lateness is the top reason why ballots get rejected. The other reason ballots get rejected is because voters forget to sign the envelope or their signature doesn't sufficiently match their voter registration signature. So since all registered voters were issued vote by mail ballots, the best thing voters can do is to use the ballot they were issued and to make sure they submitted in time. Um, as long as it's postmarked or received by 8 p.m. on election night, it will be counted. For the true slackers out there uh, who have not registered, it is not too late for them to have their vote count. Talk to me about that. How do they get their ballot in? We have same day voter registration in California, and this is actually the first presidential election where this opportunity has been in place. We have over 22 million Californians who are registered to vote now, and that is a record number. But there are still nearly 4 million Californians who are eligible and not registered to vote. And all of them can and may show up to vote on November 3rd. They need to fill out a voter registration application at their voting site. And once they fill out their ballot, it will be put inside a separate envelope. So once their registration is verified and the elections officials have determined they didn't cast a ballot anywhere else, then they will get their ballot counted. And we have to note the slackers are very much in the minority this year. Are, have you been surprised by the record turnout that California has seen this year? I am inspired by the record turnout that we're seeing right now in early voting. You know, we at CVF and so many other election organizations and election officials have routinely urged voters to get their ballots in early, um, and they don't. And this time they did, and they are. And so it's very encouraging to see And I think sending everybody a ballot has been a really great strategy to ensure that people can participate without putting their lives at risk. So I want to make sure people know, you know, when we mail everybody a ballot, not everybody connects with their ballot. So I really want to make sure voters know, even if they don't have the ballot that was issued to them, they can still go and vote on election day. Mm -hmm. There's really no excuse for not voting in California. Everybody can vote a vote by mail ballot. Anyone can vote in person. And if you're not registered to vote, you can register and vote on election day. No excuses. Did you hear that, California? (laughs) Get out there. And Kim, before I let you go, I understand that you wrote a song about the election. Is that right? I did. I wrote a song called The Voting Way. It's about how to vote safely during a pandemic. Just the other day it arrived in the mail. Got my California ballot said, ain't that swell. Gonna open it. And I recorded it with a group of friends and we used zoom to create the video segments and put it all together and it's been playing on youtube for about a month now and um it's really fun it's nice engaging way to help people get informed about how to vote kim thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning kim alexander is the president and founder of the california voter foundation thanks thank you some of those choices are perfectly clear, but others I don't know who I hold dear when I'm not sure. I just skip to the next and remind myself that voting is not a test. And that is the California Report on this Election Day Tuesday. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening and make sure to get out there and vote if you haven't already. Postage paid mail, polling place, or ballot drop box bin. 
but before it's sent, it must be sealed and signed. My signature may Support for the California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com, and Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 